0: Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
1: It's Wednesday, July 12th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, some troubling news on the U.S. economic front. More data that show that we are not out of the woods when it comes to a possible recession. More on that in just a bit. Second, two pieces of good news on the AI revolution that we talked about yesterday. One has to do with farmers and the other, firefighters. Third, we pivot to international news, asking ourselves this question. How do we better control illegal migration into America? Well, I've got three pieces of news out of El Salvador, Mexico, and Honduras that offer us some answers. Later, we close out the podcast with a question asked by a lot of you about how you can protect your digital exhaust. I've got a new solution for you, and I think you're going to like it. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Some troubling economic news to tell you about. Three pieces of data this morning that suggest that the U.S. economy is slowing down and it might lead to a full-blown recession by the fall. So this builds on the briefs that I gave you back on June 29th, where I laid out data that was, well, a little bit more hopeful back then. I gave you some good numbers on the housing front, on consumer confidence, and some relatively okay numbers on business investment. But unfortunately, we have to balance that out with some more pessimistic news that, frankly, you need to know as you prepare to tighten up your finances and ultimately safeguard your family. So first, let's talk about America's businesses. According to data released yesterday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, American businesses are increasingly moving some of their full-time employees to part-time. In fact, about 450,000 workers reported that they are now working part-time, but actually would prefer to work full-time. So that overall number of what is called involuntary part-time workers is now at 4.2 million Americans, and that is a 12% increase from May. And folks, here's why that's important. A market increase in those involuntary part-time worker numbers has accurately predicted an economic downturn or recession in the past. In other words, this data is a tea leaf of sorts for the future. And speaking of, we've got another tea leaf to talk about, something called an inverted yield curve Now, for those of us who aren't exactly financial experts, let me explain this in layman's terms. When the U.S. government issues or sells its debt to investors, it tends to promise folks, well, I'm going to pay you back in the short term or the long term. You might hear things like a 30-day note or a 30-year bond. And that short-term debt usually offers investors a lower interest rate, while the long-term debt offers a higher rate. And that's because longer-term debt generally means that you don't get that back for a while and your money loses value over time from things like inflation. But right now, those interest rates have flipped or inverted. In other words, short-term U.S. debt, as of last week anyway, was paying higher interest rates than long-term debt. And when that happens, when it's inverted, Well, the folks at CNBC are saying that it has led to a recession every single time it has happened, going back all the way to 1978. And that recession, by the way, tends to begin around 15 months after the yield inverts. So, if we do end up in a recession, one little bit of gloomy news to add to this the Federal Reserve continues to report both record credit card debt and a depletion of savings, especially from those stimulus payments from the pandemic. In other words, many of us have less financial cushion to work with should a recession come. So the key takeaway, folks, I think is this. We continue to get a mix of of good and bad news on the economic front, but those storm clouds got a little bit darker this morning. I want you to keep that in mind as you look at your personal finances and make decisions about things like jobs and most especially spending. With that, let's move on to our second brief of the morning. And let's talk about some good news, all related to our report yesterday on the AI revolution. That's the creation of advanced computer programming that mimics or matches or even transcends the human mind. Well, today we're going to talk about the promise of AI. It's the good stuff that it can do for us. And we are going to start with farmers According to a report from Bloomberg News, a Canadian startup company called Precision AI is developing a specialized drone that is infused with AI programming that flies above a field and identifies weeds, which, thanks to AI and all the learning that it's done, it accurately identifies those weeds 96% of the time. Well, on that drone is about five gallons of herbicide. So once it spots a weed... A little spigot on the drone shoots just enough herbicide on that one single weed to kill it. And then the drone continues down the field and spot treats for weeds as it goes. And that approach, at least according to Precision AI, can actually reduce a farmer's herbicide bill by as much as 90% as compared to traditional methods where chemicals are sprayed, say, via an airplane or a sprayer that is pulled by a tractor which actually leads to another benefit with drones. You don't have any tires that compact the ground as you drive over it, which means no damage to the crop. One last thing to note on this, the Canadian company is working to develop a fully autonomous drone that this is incredible, actually fuels up on its own, takes off, sprays, returns to refuel and then continues again on its own. For now, A human largely controls that process and operation, but as AI advances, the company believes that it will be able to deploy the fully autonomous drones as farmers kick back and, well, I was going to say relax, but that doesn't happen. They do a lot of other stuff on the farm, trust me. And that takes us to our second piece of good news or good usage of AI this morning, and that is for woodland firefighting. According to a report out yesterday from NBC News, the state agency called Cal Fire has deployed AI software and advanced cameras to sit atop a bunch of platforms all throughout the state to spot smoke and then decipher whether it is truly a wildland fire or something else. Cal Fire unit chief Mike Makushi said that he and his crew have set up a thousand cameras all over the state and they're training the AI to become better, more accurate, and they're doing that. By both feeding the AI software some images of correctly identified fires and then correcting it when it falls short. So said this fire chief, quote, it's getting smarter as we go. It's a total science fiction thing, but it's happening today, end quote. He also said that these cameras and the AI can do something else that generally firefighters can't. They can use infrared technology to spot very small fires or smoke in the evening hours. Pretty cool stuff. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
1: Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a question. How do we better limit illegal migration into the United States? Well, that is a big question, isn't it? With lots of possible answers and solutions. For instance, I shared with you on Monday the attempts by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas to install some floating buoy systems on the Rio Grande River. It's part of what he calls Operation Lone Star to shore up his state's shared border with Mexico. But this morning, I want us to think about what else we might do. And I'm going to share with you two pieces of news to consider. Plus, I'll also share with you developments out of San Francisco of what happens if we do nothing at all. So let's start first in the country of El Salvador. That is a country that I briefed you on back on April 20th and again on May 30th, because I was sharing with you how that country's president, a fellow with the last name of Bukele, he has launched a major crackdown on gangs. And I mean major and hard, right? This guy has sent tens of thousands of suspected gang members to prison, over 60,000 men in all. And from that crackdown, folks, the country has has experienced, well, how do I say this? Really, it's a, a newfound peace. Homicides, for example, are down 92%. Well, during those briefs previously, I offered you this analysis. I felt that it was possible that this gang crackdown could actually reduce illegal migration to the United States. My view was that if Salvadorians were leaving their country because of crime, Well, perhaps they would stay in their country if the crime were mostly gone. Well, this morning, I've got an update. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that there has been a 44% drop of Salvadorians arrested for trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border illegally. In other words, yes, law and order means people stay home in their home countries. The Journal, by the way, is also reporting that in the slums around the capital city, Former no-go zones are seeing new businesses start. Kids are playing in parks and homes are being rebuilt and restored. Also, extortion demands that were once made by gang members to bus drivers and business owners alike, well, those have dropped to virtually nothing. In fact, the Salvadorian National Association of Private Enterprises is reporting that for large businesses, they've seen a 40 to 70 percent drop in extortion demands. And they say that money? will now be reinvested in businesses rather than lining the pockets of the gangbangers. Although, I should say to be fair, that in these numbers are some concerns. For instance, human rights groups say, correctly, that this mass crackdown has led to the results of at least 3,000 people being locked up when they shouldn't have been. Also, the U.S. State Department and others have said that this president, Mr. Bukele, is anti-democratic. In fact, just yesterday, he was nominated for re-election despite some pretty clear constitutional term limits. But here's something remarkable. The Wall Street Journal is also reporting that more than 60% of Salvadorians said that they didn't care if their government was a democracy, so long as it solves their day-to-day problems. By the way, we could start to see this same kind of gang crackdown approach occur all around Latin America, too. The governments of Guatemala, Honduras, Dominican Republic, and Ecuador are all signaling this morning staunch support of Bukele and his policies. They want it in their countries too, which based on the lower number of Salvadorians crossing over illegally into the U.S., well, that could eventually mean some lower numbers coming uh, from those countries into ours too. So that is, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the first bit of news on how to address the illegal migrant crisis we got to have some gang crackdowns, some law and order in these places. Meanwhile, let's talk about another possibility, one that was actually proposed by then-President Donald Trump back in 2017 to shore up the border. So he proposed a tax on the money that migrants sent home. Uh, Those are often called remittances, right? And he wanted to use that tax money to hire more border guards or build barriers and walls along the border. Well, should Mr. Trump regain the White House, he's probably going to explore that idea again based on this remittances from Mexican migrants to their families back home hit a record high $5.69 billion in just the month of May. That is according to reporting from Bloomberg News, who also says that it represents a 10% increase from the month before. In fact, overall uh, remittances over the past 12 months uh, from the United States to Mexico sits at $60.8 billion, which again is a record high. For what it's worth, critics of this tax the remittances policy say it's only going to make things worse because remittances mostly go to poor Mexicans and other Central Americans. And by removing even a small few little percentages of that money, it's going to make poor people even poorer and increase the incentives of these people to leave for the United States. But whatever your views on that might be, the point is that we are looking at a big old bucket of money, right? $60 billion in one single year. And that could be leveraged to either pay for more border security or possibly force the corrupt Mexican government to do more, even if they would rather not. Finally, this morning, a cautionary tale on what happens if we do nothing at all about this immigration crisis, which just to remind ourselves, it is a crisis. We've got upwards of 22 million illegal migrants living in this country, at least based on data from MIT. So here's the cautionary tale, folks. The San Francisco Chronicle is reporting, in fact, just on Monday, that, well, word is out. America has sanctuary cities. And if you can get here, you can stay here and you can make a lot of money selling drugs. Chronicle spoke to dozens of illegal migrants, mostly from the country of Honduras, and asked them why they chose San Francisco and why they sell drugs. And here were their answers. First, people back in Honduras know that if you can get to an American sanctuary city like San Francisco, they will protect you from deportation. Second, there is a massive market for drugs, most especially in San Francisco. In fact, listen to this. You can make upwards of $350,000 a year selling things like fentanyl, which are, of course, produced by Mexican drug cartels. Finally, these illegals were saying that if you get caught selling drugs in San Francisco, you're likely to be released immediately as part of the city's bail reform program. Right, You are released without paying a single penny in bond. And here's the bonus. You will get little to no jail time. So you can get right back to selling drugs and making money. And to be clear, these illegals, they're right. According to the Chronicle, 94% of those folks arrested for the sale of drugs, they got off scot-free. That is for the years 2018 through 2022. By the way, that $350,000 a year that folks are making, well, they're sending uh, quite a bit of it actually back home in the form of remittances. And listen to this. It is so much money that they're sending back that it's causing a real estate boom in large houses and mansions, specifically in the uh, Honduran city of Syria Valley, which is just north of Tegucigalpa. And I'll tell you, here's something that you're not going to believe, but it's true. The gates on these mansions are emblazoned with logos of the San Francisco 49ers and Golden State Warriors. The illegals are saying that it's a way to show off exactly who they are, where they are, and how much money they are making. Although I should note that these drug pushers, they're also using logos from the Denver Broncos and other locations that are also sanctuary cities. It's a celebration of their turf and their ability to operate wherever they want. So those are the facts and data this morning on the question of how we might deal with illegal migration to America, focused first on those countries, frankly, fixing themselves like El Salvador. Then, of course, we have the Trump idea of taxing remittances, which, of course, are a record high this month. Lastly, we could do nothing at all. We could embrace sanctuary policies that, well, as we see in San Francisco, leaves drug dealers from Honduras pretty happy and very rich. With that, let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion, and I want to offer you my counsel as a former CIA officer on one of the key lessons that I see from all of these developments this morning, and that is this. What I see, folks, is the importance of law and order, and to be clear, I'm not talking about the political campaign sloganeering, right, or or the cliche of this. I'm talking about what it means when a country actually has law and order or it doesn't. Right. In the case of, of the things we're discussing this morning, we've got two examples to consider. Right. On one hand, El Salvador, they have it. They have law and order. In fact, they've lowered homicides by 92%, extortion demands down 40 to 70%. And because of that, 44% fewer Salvadorians are leaving their nation. Instead, they're reclaiming their neighborhoods and parks and businesses. They're reclaiming their lives. Now, as I mentioned, both in this brief and and, uh, in the previous briefs to you, that doesn't mean that there isn't criticism about how this is being done, how President Bukele is going about this. In fact, he is locking up a lot of people that probably shouldn't be there, over 3,000. Plus, around 30 years ago, they did something similar, and then they released these gang members back onto the streets, caused even more problems. So that has to be addressed in this case, too. But for now, El Salvador has law and order and it's saving the nation. On the other hand, we see San Francisco and that example where frankly, and I think by all reasonable measure, they do not have law and order. They have quite literally abandoned both by saying that they're not gonna prosecute or jail drug dealers, nor will they assist federal officials deport any illegal migrants. If I could say that in pretty stark terms, They're actually protecting drug pushers who are feeding death and despair into their citizens. It's almost too crazy to be true, but it is. And these illegals, these drug dealers, they know it. And they're spreading word back home in Honduras and and beyond. And there's a very clear message. They're telling their friends and family and their fellow citizens of these countries, come north. Come to America, make some cash. In fact, you can kill some people and do it because the Americans just don't care. And then the part that just gets me the most, the ultimate laugh at the lawlessness and the absurdity, certainly in California, is that these people, these drug dealers and their families are hanging up logos of our sports teams on our mansions just to prove the point of how far gone these sanctuary cities are. It's the logical outcome of, of these crazy choices. And to me, that's the key takeaway. The rise or decline of a nation and its cities, that's largely a choice. You can choose law and order like in El Salvador, or you can choose something else, like whatever San Francisco has become. Now, as for me, I know what place I would rather live in, frankly, if I were given a choice between the two. And if I were to advise you or the president, that is exactly how I would argue to you all that it needs to be framed to the American people. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to be San Francisco. The decline of the nation, that's a choice. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, remembering that if you don't hear my voice... (laughs) I don't endorse it. We'll be right back.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content, and Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/slash-wondersuite.
1: Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Back on June 22nd, I gave you all a brief on something called the digital exhaust, right? It's the electronic footprint that we leave behind as we go about our lives in this very strange digital world using things like our credit cards or computers and even our cell phones, right? All of that data gets vacuumed up by people called data brokers and they sell it. But as they do, they also sell your privacy, Well, today I have an update for you because lots of you have written in asking, how do I protect myself? How do I protect my privacy or minimize my digital exhaust? And the issue in particular of cell phones, that really weirded out a lot of people. And that's because cell phone providers can and do track exactly where you go and when you go there. And then based on that that information, folks, data brokers and their buyers can predict who you are, where you are, and crucially, where you are going to be in the future. Well, I want to take you to Massachusetts this morning for a possible solution. And if you like it, you can have your state legislature debate this exact same solution too. It's called the Location Shield Act. As reported by the Wall Street Journal on Monday, it sharply reduces the ability of data brokers from ever collecting and selling location data from any of these mobile phone providers. Now, these phone companies can still collect consumer location and share it, uh, for instance, with a weather app to tell you whether it's gonna rain or shine, or they can give it to rideshare services like Uber. But otherwise, there is a total ban on the sale or transfer of your location data to any other entities. As you'd probably guess, the trade association for the data and tech companies are very opposed to this legislation. Other groups like the ACLU are strongly supportive. But either way, if I could offer you my opinion on this, having viewed this legislation, I think it's a pretty elegant and relatively simple solution to protecting at least one part of your digital exhaust. So again, it's called the Location Shield Act. And you can do a fairly simple internet search for it and actually download it. Or alternatively, contact your local state representative or senator and tell them about this act. And why it's important to you. And then have them draft up something similar in your state. And then debate it. So here's why I think that is so great. Unlike some of the things that we talk about here on The Right Report, this one, it's in your reach to really address it if you want to. So, Location Shield Act. Tell people about it in your state capital. And by the way, if you get any traction on this, let me know. I would love to hear about it and share it with others. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.